Welcome to Tower of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm not too bad. Good, not good. Been, uh, I've almost exclusively played Commander this week. Oh, wow. That's been fun. Yeah. Um, I know it's something you're very interested in. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so yeah. well. Yeah, so like Wednesday night we have Commander, and I was doing that, and I played like a little bit of Legacy, hmm. which is cool. I was just playing Commander. I won with Maze's End twice. Oh, nice. Now that sounds like my kind of deck. Yeah, it's really good. So I had a, a, a Yidris Four-Color Lands deck. Yeah. That was just like flip-flop lands from in, play into the graveyard into play again, and like trigger Retreat to Hagra and like Obnix list and stuff. Yeah. To like murder people in one go, which is really good fun. And then Golos came out, whatever his name is. The, yes, the, the new like, uh, artifact one. Yeah, the Sonnet Simulacrum yeah. guy, where you can play seven mana and like ha- uh, play the top three cards of your library. Yeah, um, yeah, that's really good. So I, I just like put the mazes in uh, because playing a five color lands deck, but I can easily chew the lands. Um, yeah, one with mazes in twice. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> like two two games in a row. They were just like how many how many Gale Gates have you got in play? I was like ten. <laughs> and then paid three mana and won the game. It was really good. Hey. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, F&M, I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to play Modern because Modern's terrible and I have no interest in playing the format whatsoever. So I just played some more Commander and it's really good. <laughs> I had a really good time. Um, and also, I've like sold most of my Modern collection now. Yeah, so, like, I think I'm thinking about doing a large chunk of that at uh, the GP. So I still have my like uh, Japanese Infect collection, Yeah, which is basically like um, a playset of Noble Hierarchs, which I own for Legacy anyway, mm. and I will never part with even if I start playing Magic. Um, green fetches, which I own anyway. Uh, a place serving moth nexuses, and then like crap loads of like fifty p cards. <laughs> so like, there's literally no point getting rid of them, you know? Yeah. Um, but I traded in like all my other stuff and like got a second Tager. Nice. Which I think is a more reasonable thing to require with trade value, right? Oh yeah, I, I think so, definitely. Yeah, it does mean I now have no liquid cards. Like I have no cards to like trade in at the GP or anything. I have like my commander decks and then like my invert cards, and my maverick cards. So I can't really acquire any more cards unless I spend actual money. Yeah, or you could, you, could just, you could just win uh, win all of your constructed events and double of events and go get some, some boxes. Oh, hell yeah, that is, that is another thing I did this week. I finally, yeah. finally bought my constructed Fanatic package for GP Birmingham. Nice. Magic, Magic Fest Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. I did that as well. well. Yeah, it was, it really hurt. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, are you sure you want to pay £90 for this? I was like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Because I only spend only spend it more than that if I was to do it at the weekend anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. It's it was that thing where like it looks like it's really good value. I think like if you're going to play some constructed event anyway, like I know for certain, I was definitely going to do like at least two legacy double, double ups. So there's like seventy quid there, and then let's say like twenty pound more, you just get the the fanatic package that got you like three extra events on top of that, a play mat, mm-hmm. a foil lightning bolt, uh, and yeah, obviously, like a non-foil lightning bolt in some of the events that you're entering in, uh, you get like five foil promo lands as well. Like at least twenty quid's worth of stuff that you could, you could just sell. Yeah, so basically, what you're getting is because you can use the promos on the playmat probably to make at least twenty pounds. Yep. You're essentially just getting three events for free. Yeah, it seems pretty good, right? It's pretty good value. But yeah, I'm very excited. I think the hype is real now because it's like what two two weeks. Less than yes, two weeks, yeah. right? Uh, it is uh, until less than travel. two weeks. It is eleven days until until I guess eleven days until the end of uh, the end of day one of the GP. Yeah, that's ten very days. True. Ten days till the GP. Awesome. I'm I'm really excited mainly because I can just like roll out of bed at like half eight in the morning and just drive to the GP. <laughs> it's going to be really good. But yeah, uh, I played some EDH. I bought some cards. I bought some 
like a bought a fanatic package. Yeah. And that's been a, it's also still really warm in case anyone was wondering <laughs> in case anyone hasn't been outside it's still heinously warm yeah. and I'm just sort of damp all the time and it's unbelievably unpleasant yeah so um, I, I bought my fanatic package this weekend as well um, yeah. I ended up kind of getting a bit of a discount on it um, oh yeah well not really but I kind of feel like I did so I woke up Saturday morning and uh, was just playing around on my phone and discovered that. Uh, so it's a new phone that I got quite recently, like within the, the past fortnight. Um, sick, sick rags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that uh, this this phone actually comes with like a code for like an exclusive skin for for, for like a Fortnite character. Okay, and you uh, are not known for playing Fortnite. I I have not played Fortnite. I'm very aware of Fortnite, uh, very aware of the concept, but it's not a game I have ever played and ever intend to play. Okay. But I, I saw something that said exclusive and Fortnite, and was like, hmm, I wonder if I can eBay that. <laughs> Is that your first form of, like your first thought whenever you come into contact with literally anything in the world? Uh, I mean, if it says exclusive and Fortnite, then yeah, definitely. <laughs> So yeah, straight to eBay and saw like these codes were like selling for like, actual money. So I was like, all right, let's let's do this. And ended up selling. I sold a Fortnite skin for sixty pounds on Saturday morning. So that was sixty pounds. Sixty pounds for a Fortnite skin. <laughs> for a code you got for buying a phone. Yeah. So that's so ridiculous. Essentially, that's uh, that that was sixty pound off my uh, my constructive fanatic package. So what? So right? Is it like a like a skin for the character, right? On Fortnite, it is. Yeah, it's. Is it cool? Did you get to see what it was? Uh, I yeah, I, I Google it and had a look at it, and it's. I mean, it's it's not that cool. Is it? Is it sixty pounds cool? I just certainly not to me. Uh, it, so hang on, is it exclusive to the phone or to it, like it's the, brand to the, the phone? phone? Yeah. So with with the <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. With, with the Honor Twenty, you get like a like a code. Uh, which you put into like the Fortnite website, and then that lets you download a a skin. It's like a like a a purpley and blue striped suit, and you get like green hair. And I, just, I don't know. It is, it's very very strange. But I, yeah, I saw they were selling for like anywhere between like forty and like one hundred and fifty pounds, and I was like, <laughs> like this is so strange. So I put it up at like uh, on an on an auction for like uh, the start price was like forty five, and then started getting like floods of like offers and was like all right this is this is really really bizarre like this this is not a this is not a realm i'm, I'm used to this, this is bizarre and then got the offer in for 60 pounds and was like oh I, I think this is kind of like my i found the line on like my moral compass because like this has to be some like either a child who's stolen their parents credit card or somebody who is like has an addiction to gambling and loot boxes that i'm now like ripping off for 60 pounds yeah. yeah. So I, I figured, mean, the, the, oh, yeah. the market dictates the price, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Like, it's not like you've just like put up a skin and said sixty pounds, and then forced someone to buy it. Yeah. No, somebody went. Oh, I'll give you sixty cold, sixty cold hard English pounds to, <laughs> to give me this code for Fortnite, like to so make my people, character look different. So when like people, because I mean, like on Arena, right? Like I bought the like the Selesnya sleeves. Yeah. But that was a, that like in actual money wise that came to like eight pounds. Yeah. Um, but it's like so when people see that character walking around in that like exclusive to fuck 2019 is wild. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> their skin that's exclusive to a phone is it like could they not? Have, I mean, how much more is the phone than sixty pounds? 
Well, the, the phone was, was... I didn't pay for the phone on my contract, and I paid £20 a month. So they could have just done it. Anyway... I, yeah, like, I, I, I really don't... I, I don't understand it. So do they do they walk around and people are like, oh, that person has a sick phone? <laughs> or like, oh, that person has 45 to £150 to just piss away? Probably. I, Jesus. Yeah, I really... I, I don't understand it, but... Ah, I certainly did exploit it. So, <laughs> oh, oh hell yeah! <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that that was that was that. Uh, definitely helped uh, help pay for that Fnatic package, which was cool. But oh yeah, definitely. As far as like actually playing Magic this week, I haven't played a lot. So got my last couple of days in on uh, on Arena to sort of try to get as close to Mythic as possible while I still had like a day left or whatever, and didn't get to didn't get the mythic got like diamond is that the highest one platinum then diamond isn't it right then mythic yeah yeah yes. so it got like diamond two so almost there i think if i'd had like another another couple of days i would have got there definitely uh obviously that's sort of reset now so that's gone straight back down to to like i think i'm in like gold one or something at the moment that's pretty uh, good. So yeah, I think I think I'll I don't know if I care enough this month, I can probably get to Mythic. Just playing that Blue White Flyers deck, it it's fine. It does the job. Uh, then I also did one Legacy Cube draft on Magic Online because I forgot that the Legacy Cube was up. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't had a chance, and I'm like really like excited to get some time to play it. It's been so like so busy, I guess, with like life things that I just haven't had time for Magic really. Uh, so I, I played one draft. I managed to three nil that, which was really sweet. Um, just having like I played a drafted a sweet blue white deck and like having a deck where you have both like Teferi Time Raveler and Sun Titan just doesn't seem fair <laughs> yeah that seems that uh, seems pretty yeah, it was like every game I won with some combination of like Sun Titan Oblivion Stone and Teferi Time Raveler like <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty gross it's ridiculous it was really really cool really yeah definitely my kind of magic I enjoy that oh, a lot yeah. Uh, yeah just putting like the the counter on the sun titan blowing up the uh, blowing up the oblivion stone keeping everything killing everything but the sun titan attacking with the sun titan getting the teferi back plus in the teferi next turn attack with the titan get the oblivion stone back that's great yeah. that's some uh, that's some fun magic oh well, shenanigans shenanigans <laughs> indeed <laughs> yeah. uh, and then as far as paper magic goes I did an old school FNM that's cool yeah it was really cool so um, slowly but surely we're growing the old school scene in, in Newcastle we had eight of us for for an FNM which was really cool uh, there was the, the King of the North old school event up in Edinburgh this weekend gone as well which looked like a really awesome one I had planned on going uh, I just woke up feeling pretty awful on Saturday morning, so just kind of missed the whole thing, really, um, which I'm not too disappointed with. Uh, I think it looked like a, it was a fun weekend, and I uh, heard some good stories from people that went, but, yeah, I think it was one of those days where I just just need a bit of self-care. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You're allowed to do that. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it involves You're allowed- ripping off children for Fortnite skins, apparently. <laughs> it's a much better use of your time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're allowed to not play magic. Yeah, that, that is a thing that strangely you can do. Yeah, so I caught up on a on a bunch of things over the weekend, which was cool. And I got to watch some of the paper legacy cube from um from Gen uh, not Gen Con. Yeah, it was Gen Con. Yeah, it was Gen, Gen Con. Con. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was really cool to watch. That looked very cool. Sort of in a similar vein to the beta draft, I guess they did last year. They had like a paper version of the legacy cube where there were like eight qualifying events. If you won a qualifying event, you got to play in the eight-person uh, Rochester draft of the Legacy Cube, uh, and mm-hmm. you got to keep the cards that you drafted, which w- was pretty cool. Well, that's do, really cool. I do feel like that was 
that was slightly detrimental to the actual draft format though because you did find like underground sea and volcanic island and any of the dual lands were just going very fast yeah that's that was sort of a problem with it I guess it's stuff like, like there was like a judge foil sort of fire and ice in there as well that went like earlier than it would in like a like a fandom cube yeah like an actual draft yeah but I mean I guess, I guess it's to be expected oh yeah you, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna turn down a essentially free underground sea are you or any jewel land or any yeah, expensive card or anything really yeah so that event was was cool definitely like the prize was ridiculous like the, the first place prize was a it was a slot on the uh, the mythic championship the next one and it was a sealed box of legends yeah that's ridiculous like legends, <laughs> not Italian legends actual legends that's really cool yeah yeah maybe I've got to just go to Gen Con next year and hope there's some other awesome event on I mean I could like sell a kidney yeah I mean you know to fund it yeah there's I mean, no way I can fund it on my actual I salary. mean if you're going to just sell a kidney you may as well just buy a box of legends with the money that you sell the kidney you, for rather than th- a flight to America and then multiple attempts at qualifying for a different event yeah I think we're underestimating how much my kidney my, overestimating how much my kidney's worth sure sure <laughs> almost certainly nothing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah all in all it's been, a, it's been a pretty good week I think and I mean, mostly now I'm just really looking forward to the GP. Oh, hell the, yeah, the yeah. Magic Fest. As, I'm also excited yeah. to watch this, some of the GP. Yeah, yeah, true. You have an, it's an accurate statement. <laughs> the GP still happens. It is. It is modern, though. Yeah, that's true. So one thing which didn't happen this week, which I, I'm quite surprised at, to be honest, was that we didn't see any bans after the Mythic Championship. We did not. Mm. And following recording our podcast, because we record on a Monday, so we're sort of like generally ahead for the content creators in terms of reporting on or like at least discussing uh weekend events right like mythic championships and, yeah. and gps and cg opens and whatever um so i i, I st- we stopped recording that episode and I, I felt you know quite good about my takes and like what what we'd said and um you know how the podcast went and then the following week on Twitter has <laughs> just been a stream of um, people I respect very much in the Magic community and a lot of pro Magic players just massively disagreeing with what I've said, <laughs> um, which has been, you know, not great. <laughs> I still think our opinions. I still, I still think like the points we made were good, and I still think I honestly still think just the Hogak needs to be banned. Yeah, uh, I, I, agree. I think that that's still my that's still my thing. I think in terms of solving it, that deck is is the problem deck. Um, Sure, there are overlap cards with some other decks, but like really, the, the the deck that they want to, I guess, diminish for want of a better term, is the Hogak deck, and I think the, I think the most efficient way to do that is just to get rid of Hogak. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like that's that's what actually solves the problem. Um, and it's just there's been a lot of there's been a lot of things being talked about with modern and with uh, the Hogak deck specifically in Germany with with the format. Um, and it's just it's a difficult thing to try and solve and i think it's sort of a lot of people have been coming at it from different points of view and coming about um coming at it from different places of experience different levels of experience yeah but all sort of accidentally in a way coming to the same conclusion or coming to similar conclusions or like agreeing on points but i think the thing is like it's how modern exists right so we said we were talking about last week about like the philosophy of modern like what is modern what is it for what does yeah. it do what is the format's identity I think it's just it's it's fairly clear that the, the format's identity, whether it's intentional or not, whether whether it's wants it that way or not, is that it's just a balls to the wall, fast aggro combo like format, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what succeeds. That's what that's what is is facilitated by the card pool. Um, and there was an interesting 
sort of thread, I guess, started by Pleasant Kenobi about uh, Faithless Looting, yeah. specifically, because I think that's the other, that's another card that's this consideration, like right, like it's it's Faithless certainly is, yeah, it is it is certainly one of the key cards that is talked about. Like if not the prime target people want banned, it's definitely the sort of second or, or third card that people want for sure. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot to be. There's a lot to be said about Faithless Looting, and I think one of the things in that thread specifically um, was that people, I mean, I'm paraphrasing and butchering it, but people uh, saying that Faithless Looting is the brainstorm of modern is just wrong. Yeah. And I think that I, dis- I disagree with that specifically, um, and not that I want Faithless Looting to be the brainstorm of modern. So brain- the brainstorm in Legacy is the, is the card that sort of facilitates the format, right? Like, uh, it's the best country, it's what like most decks are built around, um, unless you're playing, like, Strong, like if you're playing blue, you're playing brainstorm because it's just yeah. the strongest thing, and it's 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 the card, right? It's the card that defines the format. Um, so Flavor Sling is is becoming like that in modern. It's 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 the most played cantrip. Just is it is the best cantrip. Um, and the the point that was made was like, well, it's all it's doing is is making degenerate stuff good, right? Like it, it only facilitates degenerate decks. It yeah. only wants to make combat decks better or graveyard decks better. So like Phoenix and um, Dredge and the Hogarth deck and, and things like that. Like th- those are the things it's facilitating, which aren't like the same as Brainstorm facilitating like Grixis Control and Delver decks. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, like, like, and stuff like that. When people are, are playing Faithless Looting, they're only ever abusing it. They're not using it. Whereas mm-hmm. like Brainstorm, if you're playing Blue, you're going to play Brainstorm. Whether you're playing Ad Nauseam Tendrils and trying to use it to help with your plan to kill somebody on turn one. For or evil. you're playing, you know, yeah, Grixis Control or Four Colour Control and you want a sort of grindy slow game. And you're using it for good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this is the thing. It's like, well, sure. So it doesn't, fu- it's not the same in the, you know, Favors Looting isn't, so like Favors Looting does see playing like the Mardu Pyromancer deck, which is, you know, basically a fair deck. Sure. Like it's trying to just play efficient spells and efficient creatures and kill your opponent by attacking, basically. Like it's playing like lingering souls and things like that. It's like it works there as a fair card. That's just a card advantage. Like could not card advantage, but I mean it's kind of card advantage because the cards you're discarding aren't, you know, normally have some kind of function. Yeah. But it's using it's card selection and, and it works as a good engine in that in that deck. But predominantly, it's used in fast combo decks, in graveyard decks, and things that are essentially degenerate. But it comes to the fact that that is modern, right? Like. I think Favors Looting being modern's brainstorm, that comparison is like holds a lot of weight when you think that that's what modern is. Like modern is a degenerate format where Phoenix and Hogak and Dredge and stuff are the best decks, right? Yeah. Like they just that that's what the format is. That's what the format facilitates. Like that's what the card pool dictates should the format should be. So in that in this thing where where modern is where it is and modern is where it is and has been for a long time Favourite Looting is the brainstorm because it's the best country but it's, the, it's what facilitates the format because the format is that nonsense yeah the, I'm very the, aware the, the format is, is the graveyard format very much exactly I like, mean even, like, to be honest even if you, if you look at like the Mardu Paramenters deck like the cards you're putting into your graveyard are you know you're putting Lingering Souls in there which you can still cast from your graveyard you're putting Smiting Helix in there which you can cast from your graveyard at reduced cost you're putting like a target for an unearth in there. I mm-hmm. think even when you're casting it in Mardu Paramancers, you're not doing something like fair. That's the thing, and that's because what that's what modern is. And people are sort of upset. Well, upset. That seems like a, like a drastic term, but but generally, like they are upset that Favors Looting is the best card for you know facilitating strategy in modern and they don't want that to be true. But yeah. that's just how the format is. And in order for for modern to 
you know sort of fit this idea where people want it to be it needs a rework it needs rebuilding it needs to start from scratch redesign the ban list perhaps start in a different place like there's a lot that needs to be done for modern to make it not this degenerate format Agreed. this format where aggressive combo decks um are what's catered to and that, that requires a lot of work because if you ban favors looting like the whole format shifts yeah like dredge is probably still viable like if you don't ban hogak um but you ban favors looting like there's probably still a deck there between like carrion feeder and say away finders and stitches of eyes and stuff like that there's still probably a deck there um phoenix like you still have serum visions and opt and thought scour like there's still things there yeah but it, it fundamentally changed how changes how the format works and you can't just ban that card and then not expect something else to take over like the decks that preyed on those decks not to just become a lot better um i think that's the thing like you can't just ban this card because that's that's identity that modern has evolved to have right yeah so no, i agree there definitely I, I think it is a lot to do with some of the, you know some of the things we talked about last week about modern's identity and, and what what do they want the format to be uh, i think until until the whole sort of philosophy of, of modern really is is sort of given a definitive answer then i, I don't really I don't really know if we'll ever have a you know decisive answer for, for some of these questions. Like, should Faithless Looting be banned? It, it all just depends on what you want the format to be. And I, I feel like the the format is kind of directionless or, or leaderless, really. And uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a good thing. I think yeah, that's the thing. The direction of modern is degenerate graveyard combos, generally, right? Yeah. And then the leader is Faithless Looting, and it, it defines the format. And it is the identity in the same way that Brainstorm defines legacy, and is the is the identity of legacy. Like it works in the same way. Yeah. And it's just because it, I feel like a lot of people are uh, uh, uneasy with that comparison because they like the fact that Brainstorm the legacy is generally a fair format where common decks are allowed to exist, but they're kept in check by powerful sort of control and mid range or tempo decks. And that seems more of a palatable thing to to observe, but like modern just is this, so Favors Looting exactly fits that criteria of being the brainstorm. Yeah, I, I can understand. I can understand why why that comparison could be could be true. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I'm um, not saying that's a good thing. I'm not yeah. saying I want it to be like that, but that is true. I think. Yeah, I, I I think I think it all just depends on on what what modern is and what it's meant to be, and I think certainly the state modern is in currently. I think. I would agree with you there, like a hundred percent. Like that, that is that is true. But I don't know. I don't know if that's what modern's identity is intended to be. Because I think that's the thing. Because I think if wizards come out and say we need to ban Faithless Looting because it does all these things and it enables these strategies, then what they're saying is that we don't want modern to be like this. Yeah. We don't want it to be uh, a quick combo kill format that focuses on the graveyard where Lane Line of the Void is the most represented card in a competitive tournament if they if they do ban that card that's what they're saying right yeah but then where do we go because those decks still exist quick decks still win like in doing that they'd make a statement but then okay where do we go what what do you want the format to be like and we need to know these things so i think faith is it doesn't seem like the card to ban yeah i i think i, I would agree as, as much as uh, as much as I, I do think it is a problem card for the mm-hmm. format i yeah I, I think if anything needs to be banned right now it is specifically just hogak or isn't necropolis yeah, because every other deck is fine. Like Phoenix was like kind of the boogeyman for a while, but it was like beatable and Butron and Blue White and humans and all like hardened scales and all these things. Like these these exist in a thing. It's just that Hogak has, has presented itself and has arisen <laughs> um, to be the the top of that pile, right? The top of the degenerate nonsense, the top yeah. of the turn three kills, and the most consistent. So that's the, that's the problem because the rest of the format exists in harmony. It's just whether you like the harmony that it exists in, whether yeah. that's the format that you want it to be. I don't know. I just wanted to sort of clarify 
possibly more muddle some opinions <laughs> that I had. Sure. I'm not sure any any of that. But I think my, my general point got across. I'm not sure if the sort of ambling rambling to get there made any sense, but I think it will come across. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I think in my head I sounded smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what counts, right? <laughs> awesome. So this week's main topic, I guess, or shifting away from 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 that, uh, is all about MTG finance. Finally, sort of. Yeah. So we figured like we're not really an MTG finance podcast, but something that we do see quite frequently in so many different social media channels is is constantly people ask you know like how much is is this card what is this card worth where can i look at the price of this so oh i'm just coming back to magic i've still got a bunch of old cards what's worth what and i think at at times it can be difficult to to know you know what exactly you've got you know how much how much something's worth and I think I just wanted to do kind of like a MTG finance 101 for want of a better term and just just going back to the basics of you know how do you sell how do you buy and sell magic cards I think you missed a really good opportunity there to say many Magic the Gathering players ask the question. But we'll, we'll gloss over that. We'll gloss over that uh, so ideal opportunity. Yeah, not a big fan of gimmick infringement, but <laughs> <laughs> why not? We don't have a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Just steal someone else's. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I think we, we've done a we've done a um, episode on finance before, but that was quite a long long time ago. we do talk about it from time to time, like oh, you should buy this card because this card is going to be printed or or I think this is a good buy we'll we'll drop stuff like that in from time to time but mm-hmm. finance isn't really at the forefront of, of what we of what we do but I, I think if we're able to provide you know at least the sort of basic tools for for many magic the Gaffering players then I, I think, think why that, would you be so gimmicky come on <laughs> <laughs> uh, then yeah I, I feel like a lot of people listening could could benefit from this hopefully yeah, and it's, it's weird, because right, I think finance does govern a lot of what you do away from this podcast in terms of magic. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's certainly something that I um, am very in tune with and enjoy engaging with um, and know a fair amount about. Yeah. So it seems it seems uh, only right that we should, you know, inflict that on our listeners. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I, guess I don't really want to be like, a, oh, you should buy this, or oh, you better speculate on this or that, or oh, buy only reservist cards and... And you know, um, sell all of your modern staples. I mean, that is my advice all of the time. I mean, sure, yeah, but I'm I mean, if you wanna, just, if you... just wanted to impart some knowledge on on how to get a good deal for yourself and just how to not rip yourself or others off. Yeah, and I say this as someone that like I I need to sometimes I need to make cash quick or something, right? Like I need to pay bills or I need to move it to afford something else. Um, so often I I make bad bad deals for myself. Yeah. But I think that I mean I do that knowing that I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean I'm intentionally ripping myself off because I need the money or I need uh, the trade value or whatever. Um, but I know what I'm doing. I'm very very aware that I'm getting a bad deal for myself. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a very big difference between knowing that oh I I need to sell these cards now to to you know move some money into something else so I'll sell them at a reduced rate. To there's a difference between that and just not knowing how to price cards. Mm-hmm, absolutely um, and I think it is something we take for granted I think it's something a lot of people take for granted yeah. and it's something I think I get the feeling a lot of people know but I but if you sort of dig a bit deeper they don't actually know that much about it yeah um, quite possibly yeah I'm going to try and not sound pompous and arrogant while doing this episode because <laughs> <laughs> I just heard myself say that and it sounds very bad uh, cool where did you want to start uh, I guess uh, how to price cards is probably my 
my uh, my go. Well, I don't know. Maybe not even that. Maybe just like the very basics of like where can you buy cards and where can you sell cards. How to price cards? You go to StarCityGames.com. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. You later. type in type in the price, the, the the card that you want. You look at the price. You put that price into your calculator. You divide by two, and then you get laugh reacted off of the Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Wait. Yeah. We'll get to the price later. I, I think we we go right back to the basics of where can where can you buy and sell magic cards. You have several options. You can you know most good local game stores will sell singles some will buy your cards or trade your cards in uh, so that's something that you can definitely do uh, you can online most stores have a web presence where they sell singles online you've got specialist magic stores like channel firewall like star city games like card kingdom various different outlets like that online where you can buy things in the uk obviously we've got magic madhouse and manalik uh, chaos cards and the magic card trader you can go to their websites and you purchase cards from them uh, most of those places do have a buy list as well where you can you can have a look at the cards and see what they are paying for those cards and then you can send your cards off to them and they'll pay you some money in return for those cards uh, and then you have quite possibly the the best the best form i, th- I think of just the selling stuff over social media like twitter and specifically facebook like the magic facebook groups are where like some of the best deals go down definitely yeah absolutely um i guess last thing i i I have used i think all of those websites and and traders that you've mentioned yeah um and i've had generally good experiences with all of them but i think there's a lot to be said about knowing what you're getting into when you're buying from like a retail store right yeah definitely there's Um, there's a a big difference so i guess that's the the main difference between selling cards and buying cards both as and to and from individuals and buying and selling cards to and from stores uh, you 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 have two sort of sets of pricing really you've got like your retail pricing which will be so you walk into your, your, your LGS and they've got a, a bunch of cards on display and say they've got Scaldentarn Scaldentarn's sat out there at like let's say it's £90, £100 mm-hmm which that seems fine for a for a retail price, um, but if you do uh, purchase that on something like a Facebook group or a site like Magic Card Market or TCG Player, it's going to be considerably less than that, uh, and that's what we we call the market price. Yeah, absolutely. So you can look at a price um, from say you're on uh, Chaos Cards, right? And you search card like I want to buy this card, and you see a price. That's not necessarily how much that card is worth. It's how much that store is selling it for, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's understanding why that is the price and, and why that might not be the price if you're trying to sell it to another person as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Stores have got staff to pay, they've got overheads to pay, and at the same time they have to make a profit on what they're selling as well. Uh, so that's why you, you'll see cards that are, for example, let's say you, you know, you're Scalding Tarn, say a store is selling it for, for £100, that is an absolutely fair price for that store to be selling that card at. Uh, they're making money from that when they sell it, but you then look at it from the the market, from like the marketplace price point. If you're selling that card as an individual, you're not having to worry about making profit of it. You're not having to worry about paying staff. You're not worried. You know, you don't have to pay bills. Like you don't have to have any of the the costs that come with having a store, having a storefront. Uh, so you can you can afford to buy and sell at a lower rate than a store would. 
yeah, this thing, I think it, it can get confusing. Um, confusing for want of a better word, but yeah. like what, what people are like, why your price, why your card isn't worth that much, right? So if you were sending it on, say, a Facebook group or, um, I mean, a Facebook group, right? Or like Twitter, yeah. like some people sell cards on Twitter. You're like, this, I'm going to sell this card for £90 because if I go onto all of these UK magic stores that are selling this card, they're all selling them for £90. So therefore, that's how much this card is worth. But like, first of all, why wouldn't you just buy it from a reputable store that will definitely be a, like, will most likely be a real card and yeah. there'll be good service and it'll be in a reasonable condition and you'll be able to like, this traceability to it rather than a random person. Yeah. But it's like all of those things that you just mentioned, like that's why you're, you can't sell your card for £90, but um, a store can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's kind of how you, you get the market price separate to the retail price. So the the retail price should be you know your baseline price and then everything below that are in individuals who are offering, say, offering a, a discount price to the retail price because they want to sell, they want you to buy to buy their card from them rather than you buying that card from a store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I do both, right? Like I buy yeah. from stores and I buy from players and it depends what you're buying. I mean, most of the stuff I buy from stores is like EDH stuff or it's cards that are worth like market price so they're worth like three pounds and a store is selling it for five pounds but I can also get like a bunch of other cards all in one go in one parcel delivered to my house um, and it's an easier transaction yeah definitely so I'm, I'm willing to pay a markup on that whereas like if it's like an expensive card that's like I can get for 20 pounds market price or it's 35 pounds on a store then I'm not willing to pay that extra bit just for that yeah absolutely that's the other thing that comes with, with stores as well like they can charge a slightly higher price but because of, of that convenience because you know that that card is going to be in stock or that play set of cards is going to be in stock they're going to have a bunch of other cards you want as well stick them all in the basket off you go it's it's just easy it's convenient it's, you're paying that that little bit more or that I guess a lot bit more in some cases uh, just to save time you kind of have to have to factor into the, the, the time factor really and you know evaluate how much is your, is your time worth yeah i also don't have to have a conversation with a human being which is great <laughs> <laughs> as many times as i can avoid that as possible sure sure then i will absolutely go for that option um yeah that's the thing it's, it's convenience right because i mean if you're on if you're on a facebook group and you're posting um i want to buy this for this price and we'll get to that in a bit but you know i want to price but buy this for this price you might be waiting a few hours or a couple of days to find someone that also has that card yeah um, and you can search through the group and all this stuff, but they, they have to respond and people have lives, they have jobs, they're not always, so sometimes the card might have sold before you get a chance to get it. Or yeah, they don't always like put the card name in the post, which is something that I find is, is very bad practice. A lot yeah, of the times, like, there'll be, a, there'll be a picture of the card and then they'll be like, let's say let's say that someone somebody's selling Teferi Hero of Dominaria in a Facebook group, they've got a picture of the card. And they've got Teferi, £20. Are you subtweeting me in real life? <laughs> <laughs> is that what's happening? I have definitely done that multiple times. Say somebody <laughs> wants to buy um, uh, Teferi Time Raveler, for example. They type in... Te- uh, say, let's say someone wants to buy Teferi Hero of Dominaria. But they haven't included the Hero of Dominaria bit. Uh, they're going to be searching for Teferi Hero of Dominaria. They're going to search for the whole phrase, and it's not going to find that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also a point to be made about misspellings and stuff yeah, that also yeah. affect that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do that often. <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm bad sorry. practice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, I mean, I'm always, this is the thing, whenever I'm trading on a trade, when I'm selling on a trade group, I'm just doing it to make like a quick buck. Yeah. And it's like to move some cash from pieces of cardboard into like actual money in my bank account that I can use to like pay car insurance and stuff. That's literally the only reason I'm selling cars most of the time. 
or I have like there's a card that's underpriced somewhere that I can buy so yeah. I'm willing to sell my cards at a slightly, slightly lower rate to go and buy that card absolutely or it's a card I really need for like a tournament or something or a card I really need because it's foil and I'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing like I understand all these things and I completely agree with you and like, there was a, it was definitely like uh, a correct way to interact with trading and buying cards and selling cards and I just choose to ignore that willingly because I'm an idiot <laughs> and I'll sell my cards for like 80% of what they're worth so that I can buy a foil card and it can be in my hand <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, as long as you understand what you're doing like, this some, is the thing, like, like, I'm like sometimes it's absolutely fine just to liquidate your, asset, your, your assets and take a you know take a loss like that if, yeah, absolutely. if there's there's something that's more desirable and you have you have something of some value that you can you know you can sell or trade for that one thing that you want more then yeah sure go for it yeah absolutely it's just understanding that right you're like you're not yeah. doing it willingly and also sometimes I, I can't be bothered to put up a card on a trade group for say it's worth £100 and I'll say I'm selling this for £100 and then have it sit there for four days because no one wants to pay market price on it yeah um, or it's not a card people are interested in whereas if it's a card that's like not very desirable but it's worth £100 and I say I'm selling this for £85 people who don't even want the card who have no interest in buying a copy of whatever card I'm selling will snap it up because it's a good deal right yeah. so they can make money in the long run yeah um, and there's always ways you can do that depends what it is depends how big your discount is but yeah generally speaking that is that is definitely a good thing that people do yeah and it's what I, it's what I always do like I normally sell low and buy high because I want the cards right, and I understand what I'm doing, and I understand I can I can swing that in terms of the value of my cards. Yeah. And normally I'm just sort of trading and selling like EDH staples and modern staples, which are normally quite they normally fluctuate quite a lot in price, and I have a general inkling of where the price is going or like what's going to happen with that card. So like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> good. I know. Good. I know what. I'm doing. That's well, that's the most important part. Like the fact that you you know what you're doing, you know what the cards are worth, you know. You know what's going on. You know how the market works. Yeah, so how do you value a card, right? So this is where it gets a little bit more tricky, right? Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I so mean, there's there, an easy way and there's a proper way, right? Yeah, absolutely. There there are countless numbers of, of sites, of you know, websites and stores and Facebook groups and, and individuals selling cards buying cards all all different prices how do you know what what you should be selling your cards or buying your cards for i think personally in in europe the easiest and best and just most efficient way of doing it is going to uh, cardmarket.com uh, clicking on the selection button that says magic and then just searching for whatever card it is that you're looking to buy or looking to sell there mm-hmm. so you're into the search bar and let's let's say for example somebody is selling a Scalden Tarn from Modern Masters 2017 typing it in the search bar and then there we go here are 267 Scalden Tarns all over Europe that I could buy right now mm-hmm. so that gives you a list of prices, a list of all the sellers a list of where they're based and then if you stick them in your basket you get some postage added on as well so you can then take that price in euros including the postage, convert it into pounds and say Hey, I, this card is worth X amount. I'm looking to spend this much. Can you meet this price, or can you do it better? That's the thing. Yeah, that's what you have to do. And I think uh, what, there is it's sort of a, a sub point. People on trade groups and people selling cards as an individual are, or buying cards as an individual, or trading cards as an individual are terrified to barter. 
Yeah, that's, that's something f- that you don't see happening very often. And it feels as though, if there's a car that I just want to move, but I'm not particularly interested in selling it that evening or that day, then I'll put it up at a price. I'll put it up at like a, perhaps a slightly inflated price so that I get offers and I have conversations with people. But if people, if people are just scared of it. So say there's a car that's market price is £90, and I, I say selling this car for £105, including postage. Yeah. That's too much, right? That's, that's more, well, it's not too much, but it's more than the market value of the card. I won't get anyone talking about it because they think that's my hard and fast price. And I don't think that should be the case. Like, I think yeah, people I, need I to ask, like, message you saying, oh, would you do 90 or would you do 85? And we yeah. can meet in the middle or have a conversation about it. Most of the time, I'm willing to take that first offer, honestly. <laughs> and I feel it's kind of, that might, you know, if you ever see me selling a card, just shoot me a price and I'll see what I can do. And like, or maybe I'll come back with, like, here's, here's in the middle and we'll have a conversation because we're, we're human beings. Normally, we're all adults and we can understand these things. But people will be like, you're selling this for too much. I'm like, I'm not selling it for this much. I'm offering this as a price. Yeah, that, that's something that I, I agree with 100% there. I feel like that's, that's something that I used to see a lot of in the past, but I don't see it so much currently. Um, I don't know what, what that says about the, the state of magic as a as a collectible hobby, but that's probably a conversation for a different time. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think you see a lot of posts where it's like, you know, selling this card for this price and then, there'll either be like no comments and laugh reacts or there'll be like you know eight to nine comments just saying like pm'd and then nothing else past that so so obviously like the card hasn't sold and yeah i feel like people should at the very least like once they once they list the cards with the prices that they're selling them for or they want to buy them for they should at least like put something in in the post as well saying you know, open to negotiation. I think the thing with that though is if I so if I put something that's I'm going to put this in inverted commas sure. worth ninety pounds, and I say one hundred and five pounds. Yeah, there's still a part of me, and I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but there's still a part of me being like, okay, if someone shoots me a message and says I'll buy this for one hundred and five pounds right now, I'd be like, sweet, I've made a profit. I've made more than what I need, what I, what I should reasonably expect for this card. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's making me a bad person or not, but if I put 105 willing to listen to offers, then someone's going to try and lowball me, right? Or like someone's going to immediately offer that. But there's, there's always still the chance that someone's going to be like, I'll pay 105 pounds, and I'll be like, sweet, that's more than I wanted. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me a bad person for wanting to do that. I think it should just be practice that you should just make offers or just, you know. Because so many times it's like <laughs> the interactions I have with people be like selling this thing for this, and someone's like, I'll buy it. And I'm like, cool, would you like to use PayPal? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, here's my email. And they're like, send you the PayPal. What's your address? And they're like, yeah, that's it, and that's the entire thing. I'm like, still have a conversation about it. Yeah, I, I feel like that. That's, that's fine. Like most of the buying and selling that I do goes down like that as well. But there's there's definitely like times when I've posted like a lot of stuff. So for example, I was selling some like unglued lands, some like the the nice fancy unglued lands uh, a while ago, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'd listed them all all up on the page with the prices, and somebody had sent me a message saying, oh, how much would you do? like all the islands for so I just came back with oh well I would knock off this this much if you take all the islands because mm-hmm. I know like I know I mean I mean no rush to sell them but at the same time that's cool that somebody wants to buy a whole bunch at one time and that's yeah, also like, that's oh, also a convenience for you right yeah absolutely because you're willing to make a discount on that because you're not having to mess about and pay postage on multiple things and you know have interactions with multiple people and sort out all these things and, and put things in separate envelopes so like if someone's willing to be like i'll take all of these in one go that saves you time and it, it like essentially saves you money in the postage and stuff yeah, so absolutely i think a lot of it i think you just you, you need to know you need to know how how much your time is worth i think that's something you need to ask yourself as both a buyer and a seller like how much is, is your time worth like is it going to be worth you know going through 
page after page of Facebook groups doing searches, trying to find like, you know, the cheapest version of the card. But you know, oh, maybe somebody selling this card for like a pound less or fifty p less. Like, do you really want to like you know nickel and dime yourself like that, or do you just want to go to Magic Card Market and just buy the like the cheapest thing that you can see there? Like, you, you kind of need to weigh it up and figure out how much your time was worth essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I just, I don't think people know how much their cards are worth. Yeah. I think that, that, that it boils down to that, which is unfortunate. Um, and I spend a lot of, I spent a lot of time not knowing how much my cards are worth. And it's how invested you are, right? If you just want to buy and sell cards and you don't really care and you're like, I've Googled it once and I think this card's worth this much and I'll buy it at this price and someone's willing to sell it at that price, then if that works, then sure. But I don't think you can be doing it more efficiently. And if you care about getting the value out of your cards, if you care about getting, you know, the most you can out of your cards, then there's a couple of things you can do I guess yeah yeah absolutely um, I mean I honestly I buy my my general practice with um, trading cards is uh, I either trade into a store uh, which I'll get obviously I'll get the buy list price which is lower than market um, but often they'll take crap that I just can't sell or yeah. I can get rid of it on one on one go and then I'll trade for some cards or a card which is above market price so I'm losing money there right but it's a simple yeah. transaction, and I can get what I want, and I can still I can still barter there, I can still bargain with the person there. Absolutely, um, yeah. Which is what I did when I, when I got my like I've picked up three jewel lands in the last like month, and that's what I've done, right? I've just like these cards that like, I can't be bothered to list, I can't be bothered to sell because I'm lazy. And again, like I know I'm not doing it the most efficient way, but I'm lazy, so I'm doing what's best for me yeah. in this current moment. Um, that I would it would be it'd better serve me, it'd be easier for me if I could just go. Here's my cards. Can I have this Tega or this Plato, please? Yeah. I don't say I'm losing money, but it's a simple transaction and I'm giving away like, you know, three dollar cards that I'm not just gonna list for one pound fifty each so someone can buy them and have to pay postage on and all of this thing. Yeah, exactly. But if I'm not doing that, normally I sell cards on the trade group because I want to make quick got a quick buck and I'll put it at a good price because I'm not I'm not I don't make money on magic cards, right? I have the magic cards I have and I acquire new magic cards and I use them to play. I'm not interested in, in investing or collecting yeah. particularly. Um like I've damaged the resellability of my cards because they're mostly all Japanese, which is more difficult to move. Yeah. Um and like foils made EDH decks and stuff or just generally EDH cards like can be difficult to move if they're the, the small ball ones but or I'll sell them on the trade group for a certain amount and then I'll use that money to buy them on card market magic card market specifically Yeah. and again, I, again I'm losing money on that because I'm selling them at say um, market price here and then I'm buying cards and paying postage on them and waiting for them to come from Europe most of the time Yeah. but that's been my thing because it's easiest for me and I can I can do a street transaction because like this person has paid me I have had that transaction right the money is in my PayPal Yeah. Um, and then I'm in control of that of that sending the item and then the money then goes from my PayPal to Magic Card Market which has a lot of accountability there's traceability to your cards if things go missing or if things are a problem like there's a way to sort around that rather than just interacting with an individual and hoping things go fine yeah absolutely so my money, money goes into my PayPal then the money goes out of my PayPal and the transaction is complete and I haven't got to worry about anything yeah I mean there's still some things to worry about like I ordered a Portuguese Seaball Muse from Magic Card Market recently because I needed a Seaball Muse and it was cheap um, from an English seller and it's been a week and it still hasn't arrived and they said they posted it yeah. so there's things like that right <laughs> which, oh, yeah. which can happen but I'm going to lose like what four euros so I'm not the, really bothered. these things happen everywhere though I, I do feel like that at times Magic Card Market can get a bit of a, a bad rep for things like that um, Magic Card Market's excellent but, honestly yeah it, it's it's absolutely fantastic it, it's like I can't state enough how good Magic Card Market is as both a buyer and a seller on there mm-hmm. um, like I don't think I've ever I've, I've never had anything not turn up from Magic Card Market. I've had stuff arrive late and arrive like like so. The, probably the worst one I've had was uh, I bought an unlimited basalt monolith from uh, from an Italian seller, 
uh, in I think it was August last year. Uh, didn't turn up. Oh, I, I thought you know that that was it. It's not gonna it's not gonna turn up. So I, I filed a I filed a, a missing item uh, claim on there and I got refunded for it. And then uh, four months later, it just turns up out of nowhere in the post. <laughs> That's so I, I message the seller and say, "Oh hey, the, like the cards turned up. Like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to me, how, do you want me to pay for it, or you know, reverse, reverse the refund, or what?" And, and the seller was really nice and was like, "Oh no, just just keep, just keep the card. Sorry, it's taking so long to get to get to you." Which you know, obviously they didn't have to do, and that's not something that I would expect to happen all the time. But that's cool. There's, there was a, a system of accountability in there in the first place where the card didn't arrive. You could step in, Magic Card Marketing, and say, hey, this card hasn't arrived. We haven't got proof of this card arriving. We'll initiate the refund, uh, which is, is something that you just you just don't get with like things like Facebook groups and people having to like, claim back from like Royal Mail and stuff. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like... I've had I've had things like not turn up far more often from just like buying them randomly like off eBay than anywhere else to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think people are scared of the car market because they're coming from Europe, right? Yeah. There's kind of a meme about not buying cars from Italy because they won't show up because the Italian postal service is terrible. And as you know, there's there's some truth to that. Honestly, yeah. um, I now just avoid buying things from Italy because my experience, my personal experiences have been so poor. Which is which is uh, fine. Like Magic Card Market help facilitate that nice and easily because there's, there's a filter you can use right right on the left hand side of the page when you mm-hmm. look at all the cards click on that filter click on seller location and you can choose which countries that you want that you want to see cards from so you can select all and then just deselect Italy it takes all of 15 seconds at most that's the thing so you can just buy if I'm like I'm buying things and I want them at a cheaper price than uh, a store would sell them at so a retail price, but I want them to come quickly. I'll just select UK, and normally there's some cards that I need there, and they're at a reasonable price. Like they're not as cheap as I get them from somewhere like Spain or Germany, yeah. But they're cheaper than retail, and they'll come quickly, right? So um, that's the thing as well. Like the fact that car market, you just like pick a pick a language, pick a language you do want. So like I'll, I'll often filter for Japanese, or like pick a language you don't want. So you don't want a certain card in in a language that isn't English, or like you don't want specifically French for some reason because yeah. you're strange. Or like you can filter for foils, you can filter for sets, and like it's a really easy tool to use. Like it's an easy way to find cards. And if you're trying to value a card that you're trying to sell to someone else in person with your binder out, you can filter it specifically for what it is. You can get conditions, you can get damaged up to near mint, you can get um, set, you, you can get foil, get pretty much pretty much any any magic card, any magic card that like ninety nine point nine percent of players out there would want to want to own, buy or sell or trade or whatever. It's yeah. listed on Magic Card Market. Like there's, there's absolutely 100% of all Magic cards are not listed on Magic Card Market, but the, the very, very few that are aren't going to be cards that the majority of players, that many Magic the Gathering players, are going to know <laughs> or care about or want to even own. Yeah, that's the thing. So yeah, like, you, it's you easy get anything. To find. Everything's on there. Every promo version. Like if you want to, if you want to get you know Japanese foils, golden tarns from Modern Masters 2017, you can go. You can go on there. You can click click the filters, and you can see. Oh, currently there is only one available on there. It's two hundred and eighty euros. Or do you want to buy? Uh, say, do you want to buy Chinese Future Sight Tarmogoyfs? Type in Tarmogoyf, go to the filter. We'll select say non foil non foil Tarmogoyfs. If you want, we're not, we don't want to spend too much. You click on Simplify Chinese, Traditional Chinese, hit filter, and there you go. Within like. A few seconds, it'll list them all. Cheapest ones, thirty-two euros. There you go. Wow, that's cheap. 
Yeah. That one is that one is played, which is the other great thing about Magic Card Market. It tells you the condition of the cards right there as well. Uh, they also have a have a condition guide as well. So if you click on the there's a little smiley face next to each of the cards. The smiley faces indicate different uh, different conditions of the cards. They go from poor, played, light played, good, excellent, near mint, and mint. And occasionally they'll have some additional information on there as well. So this one for €32, Euros, it's got a little sad face for played next to it. And it says crease in the back, sleeve playable. But even when you when you click on the smiley face as well, it pops up a, another window which explains how they, they grade their cards. Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing, it's, it's such a good tool. Yeah. Um, I think we should buy at this point is hashtag not sponsored, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are not sponsored by Magic Card Market. I would love to be, but yeah, we, oh, hell we yeah. are certainly not. Not currently. It's just a, it's just a, it's a great tool. Like even if you're not actually buying or selling Magic Cards, it's a great tool to use yeah. to understand the value of your cards. Um, I mean, you said before, like it's specifically in Europe because there are cards that are worth a certain amount in Europe and there are cards that are worth a certain amount in the States, for example, Absolutely. or um, uh, like in other parts of the world. Um, so there's cards that are worth a certain amount of dollars by. TCG player or by SCG or by Channel Fireball that are worth far less or by worth far more in the European market. Yeah. So you understand your cards are worth more different places and you can find that if you go to sellers at GPs, vendors at GPs, your cards will be worth more to certain sellers than they were to others because of where they are, um, the, the cards that they have access to and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. A good tool for that specifically uh, is there's a website called mtgstocks.com. Stonks mtg stonks yeah <laughs> no, that, is, that is mtg stocks s-t-o-c-k-s uh dot com i it kind of works like a like a search engine for cards really so you can type in whatever card you want and i'll show you a a nice sort of price graph of the card it'll list the the average price so like the tcg average in dollars it'll list the market price tcg market in dollars it lists the average foil price, so TCG average foil in dollars, and then it also lists the Europe magic, the uh, sorry, the Europe average in euros, and that's taken directly from Magic Card Market. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a nice little little tool that you, you can use to see those those strange cases where like a card might be listed at like a hundred dollars, sold out on Star City, but there's plenty available in Europe, so they're like thirty dollars in Europe, that kind of thing. And you can sort of find find the cards which you you should be looking at and the prices you should be buying and selling at. But Joe, I want to go to StarCityGames.com and type in the card I have, and then look at the dollar price, and then put it in my calculator and divide it by two, and then list that price as my card because that's how much it's worth. If that's what you want to do, then that's that's something that you can do. That's that that's easy, right? Half SCG in pounds is is something which appears on a lot of the a lot of the UK Facebook trade groups. Uh, so you would. Typically, go to StarCityGames.com, type in the price of the card. So for here, we'll take Scalding Tarn. Uh, Scalding Tarn, look at the price for Modern Masters 2017 one. They've got it at $110. So you slice that, that in two, so $55. Then switch the dollar sign for a pound, so £55. Yep, that's how much it's worth. Yeah, I think that I think that's a system that, in some cases, it, it, it can work. It can work fine. In other cases, it, it can't. And I think it, that's... That's a system where you you have to understand. I think you really have to understand like the market value of the cards. And I think if, if you're fine in some cases, just doing that and potentially taking a loss or or, or you know attempting to sell for more than it's worth, then then yeah, sure, that's something that you can do. But it's not something that I'm too interested in myself, unless I'm just looking to move something fast. This is the thing. So I think 
there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with the half OCG thing, but I also think there's a lot of benefits to it because it's it's been a thing in trade groups that I've been in for pretty much as long as I've traded Magic cards. Yeah, like bought and sold Magic cards. It's just been a thing that I've just sort of accepted. Like this is what everyone's doing, so I'm going to do it as well because I I want to I want to do the thing that everyone else is doing. I don't want to be like a weirdo. Um, I think it's it's had points where it's been correct. I think it's had points where it's been incorrect. Um, and I think the thing is, what it, it's a lot to understand, right? So people are like, oh, you, half is you, that's not correct. So if I take a $110 card and split it in half, it's £55. But if I go to google.com and type in $110 in pounds, that's £90. That's, I'm selling my card for much less. I mean, this is of time of recording. It, it might be like £110 <laughs> when it actually comes out. Um, uh, but I was thinking, you know, I'm losing, uh, maths is hard. Thirty-five pounds on my on, on my card that I'm selling because that's not how much the the price is. It's like you've got to understand that um, that's a retail price, right? Yeah, that's a price that Star City Games. The people I think people forget that Star City Games are a store. They're they're they, they have employees to pay. They need to make a profit on their cards that they have, so they sell it more for more than the market price. So if you go to um, so we're talking about scalding time, right? Yeah. So if you go to MagicCardMarket.com Right? Cardmarket.com? Yeah. Slash magic you can, or something? Magiccardmarket.eu, cardmarket.com, magiccardmarket.com. They've got loads of different URLs which all redirect to the same place. Excellent. Um, and if you go in to find a scrolling time there, you'll find that it's much closer to the half ACG price than it is to the direct conversion from dollars into pounds price. Yeah. And obviously this, this fluctuates because I imagine when half half was invented, the the dollar was a lot weaker <laughs> to the pound than yeah, it is now. I, I, I think the, the whole idea was at the time that like a dollar was, you know, like one pound was pretty much worth two dollars. So a half SCG in pounds was was what the actual conversion rate was. Mm-hmm. But then, and then there, there wasn't there wasn't price. really like as much of a big split between sort of market price and retail like you like you have nowadays. Yeah, that's the thing. So like, th- like at that point you're selling at retail price. Yeah. Um. So a scalding ton on SCG is hundred and ten dollars, right? That's yeah. how much you're buying a scalding ton for. Yeah. Um. So, but if you're buying one on, is that is that for Zendikar one? Uh, that is for a Modern Masters 2017 one. Modern Masters 2017 one. So if you then you're going to card market, yeah, to, to find the the a more reasonable market value of your card within Europe, you're looking at about seventy euros, uh, including postage for the cheapest one on there. You're looking at seventy eight euros and sixty eight cents, mm-hmm. which works out to be seventy two to seven as a time of recording. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Give it to Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so that's I know there's still a, there's still a, a discernible difference, yeah. but that's closer to the half SEG price that you're just using a cut and dry method of than it is to converting directly from dollars into pounds. And obviously, it's not perfect. And I think with the expensive cards like like Scalding Tar and like modern staples, it's not great. Yeah, absolutely. There's always thoughts go into it, conversations to be had. How desirable is the card? Yeah, I, I think with, if we're looking at the Scalding Tarn specifically there in this example, so say you're the one who's selling it, so you're selling it at half SCG, so you know all, all you've known is half SCG in pounds like as a buyer, and you think, oh, well, I'm going to sell some of these cards. Uh, I'm, I'm used to buying them for half SCG in pounds, so I'll, I'll sell them that as well. So you go... Oh, it's £110 for Scalding Tarn, so I'll sell that for £55 posted. Whereas the actual market price is the cheapest one available in, in Magic Card Market is £72.57 posted. So there you're kind of shortchanging yourself like a whole £17. Mm-hmm. 
And I think a lot of the time it's just, you know, is it is it worth your time to be doing that? This is the thing. I think there's critiques of the SEG thing and the fact that that's not how much the card's worth in terms of market value. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are critiquing it because they're not getting their full retail price for their card. And that's not that's not how it works. You don't get to sell at retail price. You can try and sell at retail price and someone might buy it at retail price because they want the card or they don't know any better or they just want a quick buy and they just need the card. But yeah. generally, you can't expect to sell cards at retail price because why should we not just go to a store that has more, has more um, has better reviews than you, has more experience than you, it pack- packages things properly. Like, why should we pay that price? Like, that's not how things work. It's weird to be so vehemently against capitalism in my real life and then when it comes to pieces of cardboard, <laughs> <laughs> I have a deep understanding of stonks. <laughs> it's, at um, the end of the day, I, I, I just want to see people getting getting a fair deal on all sides of the transaction or at least like understanding like when they're not getting a fair deal that it's okay so like when you do need to let's you know let's say you've got an unexpected bill and you've got to move some cards quick sell them you know sell them below half scg you move them quickly you're shortchanging yourself but you know they're going to move and you know you need that cash that's fine you're aware of the situation but i I think it is when people are just you know very used to very used to a system that can just really shortchange you a lot of the time absolutely it's it's being it's being informed and it's being aware of how much your cards are worth and sometimes just taking time to look at magic card market to see where they're like thinking about trends and stuff as well so if like you're trying to sell a card for the price that it currently is like in a couple of days it might not be worth that because so, so say you're trying to sell a hogak for a certain amount of money and then it gets banned right yeah it's not it's what not worth that anymore or like saying say you're trying to buy this thing for a certain amount and then like it gets unbanned in commander or something like that like understand like having an awareness of like having awareness of formats is very important having an awareness of meta games having awareness of people like games like game nights yeah <laughs> like who just randomly increase power prices because people weren't aware of a certain card before but now that Josh Lee Quise said something about it then it's suddenly worth loads of money I think that's that's the thing that I am most clued in, in, in within um, Magic Finance specifically like yeah so like I, I sold a Cyclonic Rift like I traded in a Cyclonic Rift when I could have got a lot more money for it but like I'm kind of fine with taking that because I don't think it's going to be worth much soon because I think it's going to get Banding Commander sure. that's my hot take by the way <laughs> I think it's going to get Banding Commander no you can't um, go an episode without one <laughs> I've got to earn my title um, this is the thing like, it's being, being aware of these things and like understanding why cards are worth so much and just posting on a random like Facebook group oh, why is this card worth so much I'm like I don't know look <laughs> yeah. have some kind of like understanding like cards that are stables in modern cards that are stables in commander cards that are stables in legacy cards that haven't been printed in ages cards that have been reprinted too much yeah cards, cards that only exist in foil in one printing cards that only exist in a language in so like you've got to understand these things and just blindly saying why is this card cost so much just do a yeah. little bit of research and you'll, stuff, you'll, stuff you'll like, get a long way oh the new commander sets are going to have a, a morph theme and then suddenly seeing all of the cards that care about morph rise in price that's it's not just a coincidence like obviously you know various factors are going to affect the the values of cards oh yeah i think it's also worth pointing out in that in things like that when those prices go up people always have a um like a sort of uh, a paddy about being like oh these these speculators are buying out all these cards so we can't have yeah. them it's like no the reason the cards the price is increasing is because people like you are buying a couple of copies they're like oh a morph deck i'll buy loads of morph cards and then the sellers are like oh this card's selling more so it's worth more and therefore they will, will increase the price of this card yeah and then more people buy them like it's people like you that are buying them <laughs> right like it's not just like some guy like buying a thousand copies of a card that says morph on it and yeah. therefore the the stock decreases so the price increases it's everyone like it's happen, happens with when like 
with things like this all the time where people just speculate on stuff. Loads of people spe- you, like, you speculate on stuff, you're like, oh, okay, this this set has a fairy theme. I better buy some Bitter Blossoms, lol. Um, so, I, yeah, I want to touch on the Bitter Blossom thing uh, for a second because I I don't know. Like, I, I don't... For, for me, like, that seems that seems like a good move for the people that did buy the Bitter Blossoms. So Bitter mm-hmm. Blossoms is a card that was reprinted very, very recently in, in Ultimate Masters, and we know yep. that there are no no quote unquote master sets for the for the foreseeable future. Uh, so I can't see that card being printed again anytime soon. So I think anybody who did buy a Bitter Blossom and helped raise the price of Bitter Blossom actually did a good thing because now the floor on Bitter Blossom is a lot higher, and they can definitely sell those cards for at least what they paid for. Yep. So I, yeah, I don't think it's a, a lol, you know, stupid speculators buying out this card that isn't even going to get printed. Like, well, that's good that it's not going to get printed because now there's a scarcity and the price goes up more, so they make more money off them when they sell them back. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's 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 kind of easy to understand when you get into it. Yeah. But it's stuff that doesn't isn't quite apparent when you think about it. Because I used to think, oh, I'm specula- speculators. They're buying all the cards. Why are these people buying cards so we can't have them? Like, not everyone's out for investments, right? Not just like hoarding cards off the yeah. market so we can't have them. It's just people like you that have them in commander decks. So like the reason Soul Ring still commands such a such a heinous price for what it is. It's an it's an uncommon. I mean it's it's, it's a, a, one of the most powerful cards ever printed. Um, yeah, but it's thank goodness it's an uncommon, or else it, it would be a lot more expensive if that mean, had been a rare. The the identity of uncommon is superfluous because it's in a commander set where the rarities don't actually matter. Oh yeah, but um, I mean if that had been a rare, it would have been a reserveless card, so it wouldn't have been able to be. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. That's that's the thing. Yeah. But like the reason it's so heinously expensive is because people have thirty commander decks and they have thirty soul rings. Yeah. So maybe they have like twenty seven soul rings because soul rings not good in three of their decks. Um, whatever. But like people have that. That's why that card is like, perpetually at least four dollars, even though it gets printed every year in a massive amount. Yeah. Because people just have loads of them. It's the same thing with command towers. It's like the reason these cards are so expensive for a card that's printed into the ground is that the demand is constantly there and people are constantly buying them and they're just sitting on people's desks or shelves or in their backpacks sometimes being unused and that's where these cards command a price like and it's it's why the price of Tarmogoyf has finally started to well I say fine it's been a it's it's been like a, a low price for a while compared to its like hype but um because that card is no longer desirable yeah it's less desirable than it has been it's still playable in legacy it's still somewhat playable in modern there's still some demand for it the reason it's it's so much cheaper than it has been because copies are out there because people don't really want them people don't really care about owning them whereas like soul rings like <laughs> everyone has not you yeah. every, well, actually, everyone but me you probably have like an unlimited soul ring or something right oh yeah I've, yeah I've got um, I've got an unlimited soul ring and at least one revised soul ring to, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the card's constantly expensive because well not expensive but it's constantly more than like 25 cents which it should be for a card that's printed every every single year in abundance because people keep having them and like it's understanding things like that like why this card is expensive well, like a card that's never been reprinted the reason it's expensive because people don't have them yeah because there aren't enough to fill demand um whereas cards like i don't know negate you just have negate in random drawers in your car like in your bed because you just have so many of them that's why they weren't worth anything the ones i the ones i have are no oh, what what kind of oh, you have the full art ones? yeah 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 so, i mean i've got like i don't know like probably like a hundred copies of negate just anyway but yeah i've got the ones i actually play with are the the full art like magic player award ones now you gotta have the japanese rovers of Islam ones with the mogali art because it's absolute gas uh, give me the that full art ralph horsley uh, or any day 20 dollar negates 
this is the thing. I used to own those and I sold them for like three pounds each because they weren't worth anything at the time. <laughs> now I feel silly. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was a, that was a reasonable crash course in MTG finance. Um, yeah, I, I guess we should apologise to anyone that does that listens that doesn't live in the UK or Europe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean some of, some of these things still absolutely hold true. Like if you live outside of Europe, like absolutely just use MTG stocks still uh, to find like your best prices to find like the cards that are on the rise. And yeah, pretty much like just just those sort of things that we've said. Like think like think about the game. Like think about like what cards have like unique effects. Like is this a card that I'm going to need to buy for a deck soon? Then buy it soon because they're probably not going to reprint it. Like is this a card that could be reprinted in an upcoming set? Then maybe hold off buying it and see what happens. Like I think you you just have to like. I guess, like with anything in life, really, like the more you put in, the more you get out of it. And I don't know anything that anything that I can do to help to help somebody, I guess, pass the information out there in the world of MTG finance for beginners. Then you know, the more power to them, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't don't get shortchanged on your cards. Yeah. Because you're not willing to put in the work. Like magic cards are expensive. People have a lot of money invested. It isn't. People don't seem to, to treat it like it's. I mean, investment is a difficult word to use, right? Because they're not technically investments, and card prices fluctuate. But so, like, yeah. pe- people have a lot of money in pieces of cardboard, and they just don't seem to care about how much they're worth or getting the most value out of them. And I find that weird when it's like, this is the most expensive thing I do far away. Oh, absolutely. And so I want to squeeze out as much value as I can. And value doesn't have to come in terms of money. Like I don't have to get like sixteen pounds for my sixteen pound card. I'm happy to take 13 and get a quick sentence. It's the value, right? It's how you value things. That's yeah. why I'm willing to sell things cheap and buy things high because I value other things. But get the value out of your cards because otherwise you're just sort of pissing money away and that seems pointless. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And there's not a lot of money to go around. Well, there is. There's enough money to go around, but the people that have it don't like to share. Ooh, that's not a topic for discussion for this podcast. That's my, that's my hot take for this week. <laughs> billionaire shouldn't exist yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a hard take <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed on my face <laughs> I'm not joking I'm going to get that tattooed on my face sweet sweet because I'll be dead soon anyway so it doesn't matter hashtag eat the rich do not oh, eat boss. the cards eat the rich <laughs> no, definitely eat the cards <laughs> as an appetizer yeah sure oh. awesome so I think that is pretty much all we have time for this week uh, if you feel like you've gained anything at all from that like please get in touch and let us know we want to know your thoughts uh, how do you, how do you price cards? Like, do you think that Harvest CG is just fine? Like, do you you know do you have any other sort of sites or anything? Any tips you'd recommend? Get in touch. We want to know. We want to help spread the good word of hashtag MTG Finance. I guess out there. Also, if you have any questions in general, you can get in touch with us on our social media. And get at us on Twitter. We are at hfdcast. Facebook.com slash hfdcast. We will be doing a mailbag episode soon, so get those questions in. Uh, we also have a Patreon, that's patreon.com slash hour of devastation. If you want to give back anything anything at all for you know anything we've provided with you, whether whether that be entertainment or education, and you feel like you want to give something back, it's it's greatly appreciated and it'll just go straight back into the, the running of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get me on my own personal social media, I'm at Peach Garden Oaf on Twitter, that's Oaf and F. On Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You'll find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. Uh, probably trying to buy things at half SCG to sell things on Magic Card Market at marketplace price. Like the dirty capitalist you are. Hey. <laughs> uh, if you would like to trade one mythic for two rares, or possibly two rares for a foil rare, you can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. 
Thank you very much. Um, don't talk to me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, just reiterate that. Because you're probably in Facebook jail, right? Uh, I'm normally in Facebook jail. <laughs> I just don't like Nazis, Joe. Is that such a crime? It's, it's, it is. it's a worryingly controversial stance for 2019, but, you know. Right? I guess right? that's. It's just like. Remember, that, like, you know, eight years ago when people got given actual medals for shooting fascists? Yeah. And now we're like, oh, don't say that online. Don't type that with your fingers. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, she just. <laughs> Why does this always happen? Just like throw away like sort of political comment and then just move on. Um, to reiterate the mailbag thing, yeah, we have a pinned tweet on our Twitter, um, which we will retweet periodically. If you want to just comment on that, just literally any question that you possibly have. Uh, my feelings towards fascists, maybe, um, or something magic related, something not magic related. Feel free to put it there. I'll put a post on uh, post on Facebook as well, um, and you can also email us. Just like any questions, I like answering questions. It's good yeah, fun. Me too. Anything People at all. Get to know us. Yeah, literally, literally anything. I will answer anything. Yeah, same, same. Anything. Get in touch. <laughs> so that is pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, once again, the Cardfair has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Our Devastation.